Welcome to I'm So Obsessed, where we get the inside take from actors, artists, and creators on their work, their career, and the things they obsess about. I'm your host, Connie Guillermo. For many years, a lot of people have had a lot to say about Meredith Koop's work. That's because she's been Michelle Obama's style advisor for over a decade, with the job of making sure the First Lady of the United States presents herself authentically in a world where social media makes sure everyone knows what you're wearing and is able to comment on it. The journey for her started when she was simply trying to find a job, which she did at a high-end fashion boutique in Chicago. She fell in love with the artistry, the creativity, and of course, the beauty of the clothes. And it was through her work there that she met Michelle Obama. She became her stylist in 2010. I talked with Coop about how both she and Obama recognize that fashion plays an important role in politics today. And of course, we talked about how she ended up choosing that spectacular plum-colored coat and outfit for Joe Biden's inauguration in January. A quick note, because of COVID-19 and shelter in place, our conversation was recorded over the internet. So be prepared if the audio sounds a little bit quirky. First of all, so many people were thrilled when I said I was talking to you because they all wanted to give commentary (laughs) on how amazing they think uh, Michelle Obama looks. So we should start by mentioning that you, since about 2010, have been the stylist for Michelle Obama and have a very interesting and unique perspective about what all that means, which is fabulous. And we're going to talk about that. I was interested in reading about you that your background was not in fashion, that you wanted to be a dancer. If I read, if the internet doesn't lie, you wanted to be a dancer, you went to a retail (laughs) store, fell in love with what you saw as, as a sales associate, but then didn't even get hired. I do not have a fashion background in that I didn't study fashion and certainly didn't come from some fashion pedigree. Um, I did have a really uh, strong passion for dance. I also studied psychology. I actually have a master's degree in psychology, which is something, another journey I went on for a bit. Um, But yeah, that is all accurate. I found this job and I thought I really love fashion. Fashion's really cool. I'm into fashion, but I didn't know that it was a career path per se. I saw this as a job and opportunity. And when I went in um, for my interview, I did in fact just was sort of mesmerized and seduced by the things that I saw, which a lot of people would argue are, you know, were artistic pieces that you wore or that you can wear. And so I, um, yeah, I was not offered the position, but I, <laughs> I begged and certainly got lucky and, um, yeah, started working there. What did you see when you looked at that? Uh, you said artistic, so high fashion that you yeah. thought was, was beautiful. I mean, I, I have seen fashion that I think is beautiful, but it doesn't compel me to want to work with it. So what is it that you... (laughs) Well, I was also a bit desperate. So that that factored in. I was a bit desperate for employment at the moment, at that moment. So uh, that was a factor. I think what... So to be specific, more a little bit more specific, um, there was some jewelry by um, a designer named Tom Binns. It was just such a... It was so cool and it was edgy, but it was uh, beautiful in this way that I hadn't seen before in person. And also um, 
if you're familiar with the designer Alexander McQueen, who has since passed, his work was just so amazing and beautiful. And I, it, it just really struck me. And also, I didn't grow up seeing people going to black tie events. I'd only really seen gowns in photos, you know, I wasn't exposed to that. So just the idea of seeing like a beautiful gown in person that's high fashion, like beautifully made and and colors and and shine and all of these elements, it was just really compelling to me. Well, at least you get to play with beautiful stuff. <laughs> I, I will yes. give you points for that. I think that is okay. Okay. <laughs> and so, so through this work, working at this beautiful boutique, if you will, you you got into Michelle Obama's orbit when her husband uh, Barack Obama was getting ready to run for the set, or was a senator running for president? Is that when you first met her, or tell us when um, you met her? I connected with her after the election, so after um, he was elected president and and prior to inauguration. That is when I connected with her. And the two of you have given many interviews and talked about this, but I think it's interesting. I mean, as a woman, politics, fashion is politics. I totally get that idea. But Michelle Obama and your work with her has really taken it to a different place. So I wanted you to talk a little bit about, you know, your stylist to now the first lady of the United States. And actually, I should back up. What I think one of the things that I thought was super interesting and fascinating about what you said was just how different your role was for the first lady. In the past, um, those first ladies wore like one designer and, you know, created a look of, you know, through that one designer. But you changed that whole model. So can you talk a little bit about how you really redefined what it meant to be the stylist for the first lady and in the process changed what it meant to be a first lady with, of course, Michelle Obama leading the way on that. Yes. Well, I could talk about this for hours, but I will not. (laughs) Um, I think what I've realized as time has passed and I'm looking back at, at, at my work there is that as far as I know, a first lady never had a stylist, right? It was, um, something where depending on that woman's background, uh, different socioeconomic factors, she may have come into that office with relationships to designers, with relationships to um, high-end clothing houses. Uh, so, for example, you know, a first lady had a relationship with Oscar de la Renta and was wearing Oscar de la Renta for a lot of major events and perhaps had accumulated a whole wardrobe of clothing before entering the White House that was appropriate for the first lady role, if you will. Um, So I think that I've come to recognize that that was pretty unique because with a stylist, depending on how that stylist works, in my case, I'm bringing forward like a lot of different designers, a lot of different ideas, you know, not just one thing that sort of hits one note. It's like a symphony of different designers and different looks and different ideas. And also playing off of the messaging of not only Michelle Obama, but the Obama administration as a whole, like it should be a seamless 
interaction between what that administration or what any political administration is trying to achieve and what someone could potentially wear. So that was always like the magic that I was trying to put in to the wardrobe and to the choices. Um, of course, like things never work out perfectly, but it was that was always the intention behind what I was doing. Well, and let's talk about what the intention was. Uh, for me, Michelle Obama, first of all, let me say a huge fan. As a, as a first lady, she set a new standard for what that means to be a first for lady. Sure. So I associate her and the Obama administration with accessibility, friendliness, mm-hmm. inclusiveness. Um, they dressed up, but also real life casual. Like uh, we're right. real people, not people sitting on a pedestal that you can't right. relate to. And when you sit down to map out that person, I mean, did you get that granular? Okay, we want to project this is the vibe we want to project or it wasn't that formal like it was just I think that's what my gifts are you know like just being able to take something and translate it you know with any person you might talk to say it's an actor you know they're going to pull something from a script and they're going to perform it in a certain way so I'm pulling information and then I'm performing my job in a certain way so it was never like okay, let me write down each little bullet point and put it into a Google Doc. It's like, no, this, I see what's happening here. I'm listening, I'm paying attention, I'm reading, I'm researching, and then I'm taking all of that and doing my work. In her book, which I'm sure you've read, obviously, she talks about this optics governed more or less everything in the political world. And I factored this into every outfit. And the two of you together worked to turn fashion into a tool, uh, clothes that were strategic and symbolic, but never frivolous or impractical. So can you talk a little bit about what what that means? Yeah, well, this kind of goes back a little bit to your last question in that I don't know that it's so formulaic. What it is, is understanding um, cultural and political moments. So that means just keeping up on current events in general. Um, It's talking to people and interacting with people that have a certain expertise in that realm. I mean, I'm not a political expert, but I'm someone that understands that I can learn things. You know, there's a lot of information out there and I can learn it. And that's really how I approach this is like, this is, it's my responsibility to learn this information and to keep up with it as best as I can. Um, So that's part of it. Another part of it is understanding audience. Like, who are you going to be interacting with? You know, a day where she's interacting or any person is interacting with kids at a school is different from a day where you're meeting with government officials at the Capitol, like those require two different looks, two different stories. I I do compare it to this idea of costume design. It's like you're building a wardrobe, you're building a narrative uh, based on the situation and it should all be working together. And I think to your point and what you read about accessibility, it's kind of like that idea for me, a lot of that was learning about restraint and like I really love fashion and there's a lot of things out there that I'm really taken by, but that wouldn't be appropriate (laughs) for certain settings, you know? So it's like you, maybe it's not being too perfect. Maybe it's not being too polished. Maybe it's not being too dressed up. Like 
maybe that's the beauty in in a look that it's just like very every day, you know, and I grew up in the Midwest, I grew up in St. Louis, Missouri, I, I'm, I have a sense of what every day what's happening. Um, It's definitely a dance. And it's definitely a skill. It's to me, it's not mechanical. It's an intuition. It's a skill. It's something that all comes together. One of the things that you did that I think everyone agree was fabulous is that you promoted a very diverse group of designers, both well-established ones, but emerging designers. And uh, I have to believe that some of that was intentional. I mean, I'm sure you went and you looked for what was current, but just taking that approach was, as I say, very different than other first ladies who might've been tied to one designer. So talk, talk about what that was like working with or trying to find that diverse set of designers. I mean, again, I look back at that time and I think about just doing the work and, and the responsibility. And there's always so many factors that go into working with a designer, choosing a designer. Like, again, it's like going back to see what makes sense, what works. And then also, yeah, going beyond like what's doing the research and understanding like all of the different designers that are out there, which is impossible because there's so many. So just, I was always doing my best to just keep up with, um, you know, who, what's new, what's coming out, who are the newest designers and trying to go beyond what's the most easily accessible because a lot of times, like, uh, let's say you open up any fashion magazine, you're only going to get exposed to like 0.002% of people that are making clothing or designing clothing, you know, that's a curated selection that someone is giving to you. So I need to go beyond that for my work and see a broader scope of what's out there. And now that's turned into looking at different sources like social media, like Instagram, like TikTok, and like trying to find new talent there versus just going on to to different websites and all of that. So Um, I'm hoping that that results in even more and more democratization of fashion because it's important. And the thing that people don't understand about fashion is that it's expensive to be a designer. Like, it's not just like you wake up and go, I want to be a designer. You have to have production, fabric, a website, you know, there is a startup cost to all of this. So you talked about Instagram and TikTok as inspirations. I mean, everyone is on Instagram and TikTok, in my world, at least, because we're a tech <laughs> site. Um, I'm sure there's not so much TikTok. <laughs> yeah, but not so much TikTok. Eight, well, I don't think TikTok even existed eight years ago. Instagram was sort no. of around eight years ago, but you were looking already at I social media. I wasn't on Instagram eight years ago. I got on Instagram late. So I came on to Instagram as sort of like an Instagram voyeur and just being there looking, not participating, not posting, just to like find out about these things, keep up with people, keep up with fashion. I actually think TikTok is a very cool platform. Again, I'm not really participating. I'm mostly just looking. And I think it's, there's a lot of people on there that I think are really cool and talented and It's not just dancing, you know, there's of course that, but there's a lot of other stuff going on on that platform. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This uh, podcast is called I'm So Obsessed. So Mm. I need to ask you, what are you obsessed with? Oh, what am I obsessed with? The first thing that came to mind is matcha. I'm obsessed with matcha. I'm a big green tea fan. I drink only, I don't drink coffee. I drink green tea from the, the morning to the late afternoon. That's, that's, I drink green tea. I drink a lot of other teas too. So maybe I'm obsessed with matcha. Maybe I'm obsessed with tea in general. Um, I feel like I'm obsessed with a lot of different things, but that's, that's the first, that's the first thing that came to my head. I mean, we'll take it. Um, Um, I want to ask you about some of Michelle Obama's iconic looks before I ask some broader question. When you're creating a look as a stylist, it's not just the clothes that they're wearing. It's also how they do wear their hair or their jewelry. I mean, it's a whole, you're, you're creating a painting with all the way down to the the smallest details. Right. So, um, when you think about, I mean, that's, that sounds fun on the one hand, but it also sounds, you know, terrifying to me on the other hand, (laughs) because the picture can go wrong, right. It's all captured in a moment in a photo. And if that photo doesn't work, right, it can derail all of the work that you've done. So how stressful a job was this? Yeah, it's pretty stressful. It was pretty stressful. I mean, it's less stressful now. It was definitely more stressful then. My biggest complaint is that there weren't more photos. I'm always like, more photos. We need more photos. Um, It's pressure. It's logistics. It's preparing for every scenario. Like clothing and fabric is a fragile thing. You know, it's not like steel. It's things happen. Things break. Things rip things get stained. So it's always, that's the piece that's like the logistical piece, always being prepared, always thinking through the worst case scenario. Every, I mean, that's something that haunts me just thinking through. I think I was naturally inclined to it, to be honest, but it like intensified thinking of every worst case scenario that could happen. Okay. Then the ground and the, the, she could trip and fall and uh, oh my God, what are we going to do? I have to be prepared for all these circumstances. So yeah, it, it was a it was definitely pressure, but I think anybody that works in the White House at any moment feels pressure. It's a pretty big arena. It's a pretty big stage. It's a pretty important, significant place. So um, but there's something in that when you're sharing stress and pressure with a larger group of of people that are all sort of on the same page trying to accomplish similar goals that in a way, makes it a little bit more tolerable. There was a lot of talk about Michelle Obama's choice of clothing for the inauguration just uh, two months ago, Mm -hmm. or now is it two months ago? January 20th. And her burgundy burgundy suit. Um, And I was reading a story where you, you broke it down. And I had, you know, once I understood what you were dealing with, it was kind of incredible 
how you get an outfit on over their hair and does it zip up? Does it zip back? Um, you said this whole look started with the coat because it's cold. And so, so can you maybe just walk everyone through a yeah. little bit of the thinking that went into what I call, she came out with this, this outfit, which I'm sure everyone can go look up with this beautiful belt. And she really just looked like a superhero. Yeah. yeah. I love that connotation. I love hearing what people think, like, the things that happen in people's minds when they see a look, oh, this this reminds me of this, or this is a superhero. I love that. I love all of that. Um, but yeah, it's, again, that's, any outdoor event is a logistical, I'm not going to say nightmare, but it's a logistical challenge. Like thinking about, you know, say you're getting dressed to go outside to I don't know, where are you going? Maybe you're going to some sort of sporting event. You have to sit outside for two and a half hours. I don't really sit outside for two and a half hours day to day. So this is an event where you have to sit outside. You have to look polished. You have to be comfortable. And so I did start with the the idea of just process of elimination through outerwear. Like who can make a really beautiful functioning piece of outerwear that is going to look good the entire day that is going to be beautiful and well-made and um, that sort of (laughs) narrows the pool uh, in terms of who um, I'm going to work with for that day and yeah from there it's just it's that combination of like aesthetic Uh, making sure that the look is coming together, that it's going to be beautiful, that everything is comfortable, that she feels good, and that everything is functioning well. And I think all those details, like putting a zipper into a sweater and turning it into a bodysuit or putting weights in the bottom of a coat, these are not things I invented. You know, these have been around people that have, you know, dressed people for stage performances, Broadway, you know, all of that stuff, people have have, have come up with these processes because, you know, like performers are cha- doing really quick changes behind the scenes and stuff. And so this is all things that I've learned over the years, a lot through my own mistakes of just like, okay, this worked or this didn't work. And so next time I got to remember to do something this way just to make the day go smoother, to make everything easier. What were you going for in that look? Comfort, keeping her warm, or were you going for superhero? <laughs> <laughs> I, to, to be honest, I don't think the words in my head weren't superhero, but the words in my head were like more like badass. I mean, I was thinking about her. This is a woman that I know, and where is she in her life, and how is she feeling? For somebody like Michelle, it's like she's come from this superstar legacy in the White House. And now she's building her own um, narrative, being an author, you know, having a production company on all of this. So I felt like just something very strong, um, beautiful. I wanted to do pants right from the beginning, because I think part of the reason that the look was so successful is because she was comfortable. It sort of gave that extra like, swag in her step and it just made the whole thing kind of just flow. So I have to ask you because people will want to know, not everyone has the luxury of having a stylist who can get to know them (laughs) and help them build, you know, their, their look. So what's, what's the, 
What's number one on your list of do and number one on your list of don't? <laughs> oh my gosh. This is a hard, this is hard for me because I am a little bit anti do's and don'ts. Um, my do's and don'ts are more like do what makes you feel good and don't do what makes you feel, you know, don't do what makes you feel bad. I think especially like my primary work is with women. And I think that we're under a different amount of pressure uh, in terms of the way that we look. And so I, I'm more about freedom and liberation and expression for women if they want it. And if you don't want it, the ability to just say, I don't care about fashion. Like, it's just not my thing. I want to wear a uniform or what, whatever it is, um, which you could argue is also a way of, of having a fashion or a, a presentation. So, you know, I, <laughs> I struggle with it because I get asked this a lot, like, what are your rules? What, was, what does everybody need? I'm just not a one size fits all type of person. And I think that's why it's, you know, I wish I could be everyone's stylist. That would be great. I would, I don't, it's not possible, but um, it's having that personal relationship and that expertise is something that is customized to a person, you know, because every woman is different. Everybody's got some different things they like, different things they don't like, different bodies, different philosophies, different routines. So, I don't have a one-size-fits-all solution, unfortunately. Uh, but aside from Michelle Obama, you have some favorite uh, looks or people that you think or women that you think are doing a really good job of presenting themselves. Who do you look at today and go, that's incredible. I'm really in awe of what how they present themselves. I love Missy Elliott. It's just something like it's just she's just someone that I've always looked up to in terms of like her, the way she expresses herself through fashion, but the way she expresses herself through music, I just have a really deep respect for her, her music and her videos and her artistry. Uh, I just think she's amazing. And I like people that um, play around. I mean, that's what I respond to visually. So like someone like Rihanna, who is, I know is a lot of people's fashion people's favorites. She's somebody I love because she seems fearless in, in what she wears and, and how she wears it. And she has an incredible stylist. I mean, there's so many people. I see people walking down the street that I think look incredible. It's what I respond to, you know, just, I love people that wear vintage. I love people that thrift like that to me looks super cool when people have more of like a, just a uh, eclectic style or they're they're pulling from different eras in, in what they're wearing um yeah that that's what i personally respond to meredith coop thank you so much for taking some time to talk to us and walking us through a little bit about Absolutely. how you go about the job of being a stylist and to people Absolutely. like michelle obama amazing thank you yeah of course thank you so much i'm thrilled thank you so much for having me Thanks again to Meredith Coop for talking with me. And thank you all for listening. We hope you'll take a moment to subscribe to I'm So Obsessed on your favorite podcast app. Until next time, be safe. <laughs>